Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Simply Resilient Podcast. My name is Jesse Ellertson, and this is a podcast for military wives who know how to handle the challenges of frequent deployments and trainings, but want to stop feeling mentally miserable in the process. You know what to do, and you're doing it, all while holding down the fort at home. But you are weary from living in survival mode and battling with your brain. If you are ready to thrive, then you are in the right place. This is episode two, The Model. And today I'll be teaching you about the self-coaching model that Brooke Castillo developed. But first I'm going to talk about a little bit about what has happened since episode one. So the first thing I want to mention is that I am now a certified life coach. I recently attended Brooke Castillo's life coach school and received my certification in September and had a wonderful experience there and I'm just loving life coaching. The second thing I want to talk about is that in the last six months, as I attended the Life Coach School and now as I continue on with my studies and training, I have become very clear on my business goals and on what I want my life coaching practice to be and who my clients are. And I have narrowed it down to, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, military wives who want to stop feeling miserable during deployments. So for me, that looks like if you're an amazing military wife who knows what to do to make deployments go pretty well, and you're doing those things, but you still feel mentally miserable, then you're in the right place. And I see you and I've got you. Now, we don't always look miserable from the outside, but I'm calling you on it. We are truly miserable. And we're being told from a lot of different directions what to do. And like I said, we're doing it but our thoughts tend to be sabotaging those actions that we're taking. So if that experience resonates for you, I think you're really going to enjoy this podcast. The third thing I want to talk about is that my husband is home from his deployment. In the first episode, we were in the thick of it, and it's been almost a year actually since I recorded that first episode, and I'm ready to really launch my podcast now. My husband got home at the beginning of the summer, and uh, we had just an amazing family summer together, really making up for that last time. And now it's fall, and we're back in the swing of things with school and work and just loving life. The fourth thing I want to mention is that uh, I know I talked about Jody Moore in my first podcast episode whom I love, and she is my coach. So I wanted to let you guys know that I am a member of her Be Bold community and I'm loving that. And then also, like I said, I'm in the Life Coach School. And so Brooke Castillo, who I'll mention frequently, is my teacher. So Jody is my coach and Brooke is my teacher. And I mention both of them pretty frequently. So I just wanted to make that clear. Okay, the next thing I'm going to do is, like I said in the first podcast episode, that I will have some different kind of segments and and moments. So the segment that I want to introduce today is called a battle buddy moment, where I read a review from um, a client or someone that I have coached with or worked with as a way of just kind of giving them a shout out. And also I like reading reviews to people to show those who don't even totally understand what life coaching is or aren't sure if it could be helpful for them for them to be able to hear how helpful it is in other people's lives. So this review is from Rosemary. And she says, Jessie has such a wonderful way with her coaching. She never makes you feel embarrassed or guilty for feeling how you feel about your personal life struggles. It was amazing to be coached by her and work through something I know was causing me way more grief than it needed to. She is so professional, but definitely makes you feel like her best friend all at the same time. Give this girl 20 minutes of your time. You will be so grateful you did. 
And I wanted to read that review today. Thanks so much for um, leaving that on my Facebook page, Rosemary. I wanted to read that review today because I like that she mentions just the 20 minutes. A lot of our sessions when I'm doing either a mini session or a group coaching session, uh, a lot of those coaching sessions are a little more like 20 to 30 minutes. Whereas if I'm working with you one-on-one, usually our sessions are closer to an hour. But all it takes is 20 minutes to kind of present your issue that is something that's causing you grief in your life and present it to uh, your coach, whoever that may be, for them to help you kind of get a hold of it, wiggle it a little bit, give you a new way to think about it and help you make the game plan you want to make to change that grief into something that you feel like you have a handle on. So that's what I offer in my mini sessions, which I'll talk about a little bit at the end. Um, If you want to see what life coaching could feel like for you, I offer a free mini session to help you know if it is something that is for you and if you would want to sign up to work with me. Okay, so today, like I said, we're going to be talking about Brooke Castillo's self-coaching model. And I love that it's called the self-coaching model because everything about life coaching, the way I've learned it, is absolutely centered around what's inside your brain and what you can do for yourself and the ways that you can self-coach yourself and look inside your brain and your thoughts because you have the answer. You already have it. And a coach is simply there to hold the space for you, to provide expertise as far as knowledge of the model and knowledge of your brain and how it all works. And also just to help you see your own thoughts because sometimes we have a hard time seeing our own thoughts. That can take time. And even like I said, I have a coach, my coach Jody Moore and her sister Natalie, who I work with as well. Uh, I will present a problem to them and think that I have it. I mean, I'm a coach. I have all the tools, but I will still be amazed how they will be able to take a thought that's holding me back that I didn't even realize was, show it to me, show me how I might be able to flip it on its head, turn it around, think of it in a new way, let it go, whatever is required to really get some headway on an issue that I'm experiencing. One analogy that I like to use as far as understanding what it's like to get coached and to self-coach and to use these mind management techniques to get a hold of a problem that's either confusing you or persisting no matter what you're trying to resolve it or you just can't, you feel like you can't quite get a hold of it. I like to use the analogy of a snow globe. And it's like when we're inside our own heads, especially in a problem that we experience frequently, we are inside the snow globe and it's been all shook up and there's snow everywhere. And we can't even see what the picture is in the snow globe. And when you take a minute to either get coached or coach yourself, write your problem down in this framework of the model that I'm going to teach you today. It's like you have set down the snow globe and stepped outside of it. And it's and it holds still long enough that the snow settles and you can see the picture very clearly. And even more than that, you're no longer inside the problem, but you're an outside observer of the problem, which puts you in a much better position to come up with strategies to solve it and to also take out the unnecessary drama and pain and emotion that might be kind of gumming things up. To be an observer of your life is a very powerful position to be in and it helps you be in that place of fascination and curiosity with all the parts of your story, all the people who play roles in the story, this particular story and in your life. So the parts of the model that I'm going to go over today, and this is kind of just covering it all in one shot, but as I continue throughout this podcast, I'll emphasize different parts of the model 
and provide deeper teaching on it, but I'm just going to give you the whole picture today. So like I said, this was developed by Brooke Castillo, the owner of the Life Coach School, and it is similar to other things taught by other people, but I just love the way that she presents it. So she calls it the CTFAR model, and the C stands for circumstances, the T stands for thoughts, the F stands for feelings, the A stands for actions, and the R stands for results. So basically we all have circumstances in our lives and these are the things in an issue that are completely factual. There's no opinion in the circumstance. They're usually outside of our control. Um, They're neutral. They're provable. Everyone would agree on it. And, or it can also be like a specific thing that was said or done. And it's important to be very clear on what can go in the circumstance line because we often feel very sure about the facts of a matter and we try to put it in our circumstance line, but truly it's just our opinion on what has happened. And I'll get into that a little bit. The thought line, basically we like to, as we take a look at a set of circumstances in our lives, we like to look at the thoughts we have around that circumstance, the thoughts we have about that circumstance. And when we're writing it out in a model and we're coaching ourselves or getting coached, we pick one thought to examine. And usually when I'm doing my self-coaching, it's because I am having a thought about a circumstance that is giving me a result that I am not excited about, that I'm not enjoying or that I didn't, that I didn't want. And usually it's, I've, I'm thinking something hurtful about the circumstance or I'm giving it meaning that is not productive for me. The next line is the feelings line, and basically we have thoughts about our circumstances, and those thoughts create feelings inside our body. This is one that I have found people are often pretty aware of what they're feeling, but it has been a little more of a training to learn how to take a look at your thoughts, especially one at a time, and in sentences that play across your brain. So the feelings line is, uh, like I said, it's a one-word description that you feel when you think this thought. And the important thing about the feelings line is our feelings are always what is driving our actions, which is the next line. And so I like to think of the feelings as the fuel. And if we're operating from fuel that is inefficient or unproductive, we're not going to be creating what we want to create. Or if we're operating from fuel that's hurtful or resentful or, you know, overwhelm or so many of these feelings that we can go to from that place of, of, thinking hurtful things about circumstances or or adding meaning that isn't really there, we are producing actions, we're fueling actions from those feelings that we don't like, which in turn creates our results. So the action line is basically what we do or not do in regards to the circumstance. And again, fueled by our feelings. And the results are the results of the action that we're taking, again, in regards to the circumstance that we're considering and usually the results prove the thought true. So I'm going to give you an example. And this segment that I'm going to provide is, I'm going to call it an in the trenches moment. And it's either going to be from an example from my life or an example from one of my clients' lives that I'm sharing with permission. So basically um, a self-coaching model that they did that they are willing to share so you guys can kind of see how this goes in regular life. So... On Sunday, I was staying home from church with my three-year-old who was sick and my husband was taking the other four kids to church and I also have a two-year-old who that church is right during her nap time. And I had asked my husband to take her as well so that she could go to church 
and go to the little nursery class there and she loves that and then she could come home and take a later nap and I would get even a bigger break from her because she's kind of in the phase of her life where she's crying nonstop. <laughs> I don't know if any of you have two-year-olds but that's what we're dealing with here at our house just lots and lots and lots of crying. She's on the verge of talking and I think because she wants to talk so much but she only has a few words she just is frustrated a lot of the time and that just results in a lot of crying. So he did not want to take her because when she's tired and feeling all the things she usually feels, it's like double crying. And it was so interesting because right in that moment, I was really frustrated with him because I was just thinking, so I I sat down and did a model after they left for church because he was saying, why doesn't she just take a nap? This is her nap time and you're already staying home with our sick three-year-old. And in the moment, I was thinking things like, it's his turn. I take them to church by myself all the time when he has drill weekends or during the whole deployment or when he has to work, different things. And it's his turn to take the kids alone. I have Hannah crying at church. Hannah's my two-year-old um, all the time. And my my brain wanted that to be fair. And it, and it just wasn't feeling fair. And another really interesting thought that I found that afternoon as I did my self-coaching model was he should want to give me as big of a break as possible. That was really pushing through for me of him wanting her to stay home and take her nap at her normal time so that he didn't have to deal with her screaming at church. One of the main thoughts coming up for me was he should be willing to take her to church even if she's screaming because he should want to give me as big of a break as possible. So when I sat down and wrote up my model, I started with my C line. And my C in this situation, what I find to be really powerful in these very specific examples is to just say what Brad said that kind of led me into this spiral of wanting everything to be fair and the same. And what he said was, why can't Hannah just take a nap? Which is just so simple. And it was really all he said. And then the rest of the drama erupted in my brain. And so... Like I said, I did end up keeping her home after I went through all this trauma in my brain. My thought line about him saying that and me adding the meaning of he's not willing to take her. You know, so this is my thought line. It's his turn. He's not willing to take her. He should want to give me a break. I take her by myself so much. You know, there's kind of several thoughts there, but I picked the one of he should want to give me a break. And that led me to feeling resentful. Resentful is one of the places my brain likes to go for some reason, even though I truly think it feels awful. I do not like to feel resentful. So the action line that I took from feeling resentful was I was short with Brad as he finished, you know, getting ready for church and getting the kids ready for church. And I complied with what he was saying resistantly instead of just happily and willingly. And I definitely made what was happening about me instead of about him. So then my result was that Hannah stayed home from church with me and I'm irritated. Now, Since I have that written out on a model now, it's like setting the snow globe down and now I can take a look at it. And when I take a look at it in this model, broken down, organized, it's very hard for my brain to create the drama I was creating when it was swimming around inside my head. So now I can see that truly the catalyst for all of my drama and resentment was just Brad saying, why can't Hannah just stay home and take a nap? This is her nap time. I was able to see how that was actually a very reasonable request. I was able to see that my thoughts of he should want to give me a break was meaning that I added to the situation. Him wanting her to take a nap 
really didn't have anything to do with him being unwilling to take her or not wanting to give me a break. He was just looking at it from a different perspective of thinking, this is our two-year-old's nap time, and now she can stay home and take a nap because you're home. And I was able to see that Brad not want, not taking her to church was not what made me feel resentful, but it was my thoughts about what he said that made me feel resentful. I was able to see what actions I take from resentful, which I don't like. I don't like who I am. I don't like how it feels. And I did not get the results that I wanted. I mean, Hannah stayed home and that's fine. She could stay home or she could go to church, but I'm irritated. So basically I, I suffered needlessly because of this way this model played out. Now, once I have kind of a hold of that, I can start to think about, well, how do I want to feel? And what result did I want? Now, I can't go back and change how that went, but as I take a look at it, I can change how I feel now, now that it, even though now that it's over, and I can set goals for how I want to react and think and feel if this situation were to occur again, which similar situations like this occur, you know, pretty frequently with with lots of kids and dividing up parenting and miscommunications and just lots of responsibility. So now that my snow globe had settled and I could see the picture clearly, I was just able to start thinking about how next time I just want to feel fine. I don't want to be frustrated and bugged. Hannah can stay at home or Hannah can go to church, but I want to be able to take what Brad says and what he does just at face value and not add that extra meaning. I want to feel understanding when he makes a suggestion like that. If I, if there was some rule where I wasn't allowed to add any meaning and I could just take what he said at face value, I could just feel really understanding that he didn't want to have a screaming two-year-old at church all by himself. And that felt so much better to me than resentful. So this example, again, is my in the trenches moment. And if you have any in the trenches moments that I can share on my podcast of using the model, using the self-coaching or using these tools that we'll be talking about here, I'd love for you to email them to me at jesse at simplyresilient.net so that I can share on the podcast. So our brain is super efficient and it wants to do what it is good at doing. And what it's good at doing is what it's either, either what it's always done or what it's done a lot of. So when I'm talking about this, I'm talking about the thoughts our brain thinks. It's super efficient at continuing to think what it's always thought or what it spent a lot of time thinking about. And it wants to be efficient. It wants to keep thinking those thoughts. So when you start to try to take a look at your thoughts, some of them you'll keep, some of them you might try to change, and you might meet some resistance from your brain. But that's okay. Resistance is really good. It shows that you're kind of on the right track of stretching things and changing things and creating these new results in your life. Now, there's a quote from Brooke Castillo that I love, and she says, problems aren't problems until we think about them, and thoughts about problems are just choices. Now, I remember when I first started learning about how important my thoughts were and about mind management that I was actually a little discouraged because what it felt like at first was that this was all my fault, and my thoughts were the reason that I was suffering. But I want, I'm here to tell you that it's your fault in the best way. This is good news. Because if it's your thoughts that are the problem, then it's your thoughts that are the solution. And we'll get into that more in coming episodes. So I want to close with a mission for you guys this week. This will be kind of like your challenge or your homework for the week, another segment I have. So your mission for the week is to check out Jody Moore's podcast, which is called Better Than Happy. And also check out Brooke Castillo's podcast, which is called The Life Coach School. And I want you to identify a problem that you're having in your life, whether it be kind of a broad general problem or a specific scenario that played out one day, kind of like the one that I shared. 
and take a minute to just write down about it. Write down your thoughts, feelings, experiences with what happened and read through what you write to just pull out what could go in the circumstance line and what could go in the thought line. This is a valuable exercise because like I said, we often try to put our thoughts and our opinions in the circumstance line because they feel so true to us that they feel like fact to us. But really take a look at it and say, is this a fact? Would everyone agree? And that's an important thing to really start to learn how to distinguish between. And the final piece of your mission for the week is to have a goal for yourself to feel curious as you start to take a look at your thoughts and as you start to dissect different circumstances and scenarios. Just be that person who's looking down on the snow globe from above from a place of curiosity rather than judgment or discouragement because curiosity can come from being the watcher of your thoughts and it's an awesome place to come from and it really puts you in a position to, like I said earlier, get a handle on what you have going on. So I'm going to close with what I'm calling a hot mess moment and this is something like I did a reality glimpse in my first episode, and I, but I'm trying to, as you've probably noticed, have a military theme to my podcast with just some subtle, cute references that I hope you guys are enjoying. So this is my hot mess moment. Earlier this week, I had completely lost my voice and I had to take my two-year-old to the doctor for her two-year checkup and to get immunizations. And on the way to the doctor, she threw up all over herself and I had no other clothes to change her into. So I was able to get her out of her car seat, clean it up okay, take all her clothes off, use a ton of wipes, getting everything sort of clean and then just put her coat back on. So she was just in a diaper and a coat going into the doctor, which was a real classy moment for me. Plus, like I said, I lost my voice, so I had no way to speak to the doctor. I just, I could whisper and that was working. Anyway, on the way home, I completely and totally ran out of gas. Now, this just doesn't happen. I don't know what happened. My gas light was on and never once in the drive to or home from the doctor's which is kind of a long drive because we live kind of in the middle of nowhere and our doctor is a little bit far away. Never once did I look at my gas gauge and I can't figure out how because that's something I'm usually really on top of. But suddenly my gas pedal stopped working and I had to just pull over and I was completely out of gas. Fortunately, we were safe. I wasn't on the freeway anymore and I was close enough to where my parents lived that my dad could come rescue me with a can of diesel fuel. And anyway, that's my hot mess moment. Just knowing that we're all in this together. We all live in a world full of reality and it's just fun to share sometimes. And I'd love to hear from you guys again at jesse at simplyresilient.net for your hot mess moments or your in the trenches moments or anything like that that I can share in my podcast. Thank you for listening and making time in your day. If this podcast resonates with you, send an email to jesse at simplyresilient.net to schedule a free mini session and see if working with me would be a great fit for you. Remember, when we choose to intentionally manage our minds, we go from feeling mentally miserable to feeling like a mental warrior. You've got this. I'll talk to you soon. Over and out.